You shut up. Please pass re- the shut up. I'll record when I want to. Peter, we're four seconds in and I already have to check the explicit box. Well, you could cut this. You have to, you have to put eh, this in. That sounds like extra work. Hey, everyone. <laughs> we have started recording. So welcome to this podcast needs a title. This time I'm Erica Davis. And I'm Erica Davis. No. I mean, uh, all's fair. Mm-hmm. It's, it's even now. Let me try this again. And I'm Peter Malone Elliott, and this is Real Talk about writing, publishing, and everything in between. Our guest today is Romy Mundi, an author whose latest romantic comedy, 24 Hours in Paris, will be released on May 10th. But first, Erica, Mm -hmm. how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Uh, Good. It's late in the day for us to record. We had a request to go a little later just to accommodate our guest work schedule. And that makes really good sense. I don't hate it this late at night. That means hmm. it's at night, it's 4.30 in the Eastern Seaboard well, here. But I mean, it's, it's, it's early bird special time. So dinner time for true. me. I did, I did just have a snack pack, like a, it's like a single serving of popcorn. And yeah. it was my husband's turn to shop because it's always his turn. To shop because I sure. hate grocery shopping. Sure. I'll do the order, like the Instacart order. I'm so grateful that that <laughs> exists. Instead of kettle corn, he got me movie butter popcorn. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I'm going to wash it down with like a Sour Patch Kid. Oh. I don't want to get too hyper, so I'm not going to have it now. I'm going to okay. save it. Water. You know what my favorite type of popcorn is? Movie theater is great, obviously, for obvious reasons. I would probably say home style, pop secret home style popcorn. I think that's the brand that I usually get. And, Fantastic. But they have flavors. They do. I love popcorn so much. Yeah. My fingers are all buttery right now. It's just Ugh. delicious. And I got my water. Um, I had coffee a little late today, but vodka. Not no, not vodka. Coffee. No. You had vodka, maybe. Mm. Mm. <laughs> For me to find out. <laughs> Wouldn't you like them know? I don't I feel I feel weird. It's been it's spring. Like spring has sprung, mm. and I I'm not mentally there yet. How are you yeah. doing? I'm good. I'm good. Bum leg, the peg leg. Oh, the peg leg is great. I, uh, this is, I know our listeners really care about this a lot. Um, you know, all five of you, I got a knee scooter, um, to get around easier. I talked about this on pipeline authors, hashtag pipeline authors, 8 PM <laughs> Eastern standard time on Thursdays. And I made, I got a knee scooter to make it easier to, you know, do things and go to the gym and stuff like that. But, you know, carrying that thing up and down the stairs isn't awesome. It's it's light. It's 20 Feels pounds. Counterintuitive. Yeah, it's light, though. It's OK. Um, but I live in an old walk up building, so I don't have much of a choice. How many floors is your building? Five floors, but I'm on the third. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. No, wait, Continue. six. Anyway. Better get um, it right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my landlord's going to come after me. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I'm good. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's, uh, I don't really have anything interesting to report, honestly. Yeah, me but I'm, neither. I'm excited it's... to talk to Romy. Yeah. Yeah. Me, I, I really am too. And oh, we're gonna... oh, I do have one thing. What? I got floating bookshelves above my desk. What have you got up there? Well, uh, let's see. I got the book that I'm currently reading now, uh, A House Between Earth and the Moon. Mm. I've got Sorrowland. I've got The Master and Margarita. I've got Ooh. my mom's most recent release, Louisa June and the Nazis and the Waves. Nice. Go get it. I got a book that my, my girlfriend gave me that I'm excited to read. And then, you know, a smattering of others. It's like it's two custom made shells from Kentucky that are up on the wall on oh. the opposite sides. Nice. Yeah, they look very nice. 
Oh, good. They took a long time to come, but I see why they're very high quality. All right. Yeah. And I got a big burly man to uh, to come and secure the shelves to the wall for me because I'm not handy at all. Really? You're not? No, no. no, Bless you. No, (laughs) I can do like very, very basic things, but like something like that, where like if you don't do it right, it'll come crashing down on my head. Oh, yeah. No, I am like that as well. I, I, I can put stuff up on the wall like I know where our drill is and I know how to drill and put the sure. anchor in if, it, yeah, if it's yeah, in sure. drywall or whatever and uh, whether to use a nail or a screw and that's fine. I don't measure. I eyeball it. And uh. I don't think my husband appreciates that because uh, he likes things to be reasonably Orderly. even and not slanted. That's understandable. Yeah, I guess. I just, I'm too impatient to take my time to do something like that. I'm like, who's, who's going to care if it's like off center or tilted or whatever? And he's the like, world. I will. Yep. And he will. Yep. And I will now, now that I know that because I'm the same right. way. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He, yeah, he yeah. Uh, secured all my bookshelves behind me uh, to the walls. And my great, great grandmother's oil painting is now right across from my desk. And oh, it's this huge, like three by four gilt frame, like 40 pound painting. Wow. It's been in my family for centuries like for a long time since it was painted it's been with the art restore forever my husband spent a good seven minutes measuring it out and like putting like i'm like just right there it's like i just you know stabbed a point in the wall and he's like yeah yeah but let's just make sure and it looks amazing where it's at yeah and it's not crooked so i'm like this is great not crooked is good yeah no i the the most handy thing i've ever done recently is Mm -hmm. i the this my spaceship like ergonomic office chair i put that together myself and i was oh that's pretty cool i was very proud of myself for doing that do you enjoy legos no I didn't think so. I don't either. I, I mean, I, I mean, like I love them in theory, but like I couldn't, I didn't have the patience for them. I don't like reading instructions. Yeah. I have zero patience for reading instructions. Yep. When we have game nights, if like, we always have that one guest mm-hmm. who reads the instruction book out loud to people. And I'm like, no, let's just start rolling and see what happens. And <laughs> then we can let's refer to the, the guidebook. Guys. That's fair. I get, I get too angry. To play devil's advocate for, for your husband, it, monopoly is war. And people need to be need to know the rules of engagement for Monopoly War. Okay, Monopoly is a uh, competitive game. I'm talking like the tabletop cooperative games, Uh, like uh, the nuanced ones, the indie games. Um, Monopoly is nuanced. (laughs) Okay, it's not. not. (laughs) Monopoly is a game for jerks. (laughs) It's just such an angry game. (laughs) People get so mad. I don't have actually ever played it with all 100% rules. It's always been somebody's house rules. Like there's no doing this. There's no doing that. And then free parking, you put money in the middle. No, you don't not here. It's It's not, it's my second favorite board game. It's not my first favorite, but I'm better. I'm better at Monopoly than I am at my first favorite, which is what's what's your first favorite clue. Clue is such a great game. I love clue. I love Clue, but I grew up, my sister is in obscenely good at it and I never beat her. I beat her like maybe twice in my entire at, life. At Clue? At Clue. All right. And I'm not at all bitter about it anymore. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. This is episode 21. 21. So I wanted to talk about this with you before we started recording, but you know, yeah. recording us, so fuck it, who cares? I think there should be 22 episodes in each of our seasons because there were 22 episodes a season in Friends and all of our titles are like the Friends titles. 
I feel like that makes sense. Concentrically speaking. Wait a minute. Do you know what's funny is I thought about bringing something like that up to you at the new year. Like, Hey, it's a new year. Should this be our new season? And I'm like, my God, we'd have to like reset the clock. I'd feel weird. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But should we should I let mean, me think about that. But Cause okay. I kind of like, I mean, I mean, would it just be one season forever? So it'd be just like one season episode 76. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. but you're right. Cause we both really like friends, the TV show yeah. and we do name the episodes after those episodes. Yep. Is it true? Like all nine seasons or 10 seasons have all exactly 22 episodes? I mean, like right around there. Yeah. But like the, the standard mm-hmm. broadcast network run for sitcoms and dramas back then was 22 episodes. Yeah. I don't know, buddy. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. I, I have not bad ideas every now and again. Once in a while. Once in a while. This podcast was your idea. Hadn't That's you been true. bugging Matt about it since you started working with him or something? Yes. I mean, not this exactly podcast but i i would nobody saw this coming no but i was bugging matt (laughs) about doing a podcast of some kind erica (laughs) yeah you didn't uh, roll your eyes go what peter what peter wait a minute let's talk about the fact um for our listeners here that you don't listen to episodes i I felt silly asking you that the other day when I texted you or whatever no, it was. I slapped you because I'm like, of course he listens to the the episode, but something made me write like in the event that you don't listen to the episodes, this is such a great one. And you're like, yeah, no, I don't listen to the episodes. No, I don't. Can we dig into that a little <laughs> bit? <laughs> yeah. Because it's it's not anything personal. I just hate the sound of my voice. And I like when I find myself listening to it, I'll listen to like a few minutes, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll like be like, uh, my quality sounds weird or uh, why, why enunciate Peter? <laughs> it's 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 like one of those stupid pretentious actors who like don't watch their own work. It's like a similar sort of thing. So basically oh. the upshot of here is I'm a pretentious, annoying actor. I'm very neutral about my voice because you have a great, my sister, you have a great voice. You have a great voice. Well, thank you, Peter. <sighs> no, thanks. I appreciate that. I know that it's a common thing for people to hate the sound of their voice because it's not what it sounds like in your head because right. literally like what resonates in your skull is different from out there. So the expectation is different and whatever, True. or the reality True. and expectation are not aligned. My sister and I grew up playing with a tape recorder. We would just keep recording like little bits that we did. Like we could barely talk and we're like, that's a ding, da, 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 da. I told a knock knock joke for like six minutes straight one time. It was like the knock knock, who's there? Orange, orange who, orange who, orange who, orange who, orange who. And I just like, I thought you didn't like there was no end to it. And finally she's like, who? We just grew up goofing around with like audio tape and videotape. And uh yeah, you get used to it. I have yeah. too many amazing things to say to deprive the world. I think you should listen to the last episode because it's so funny, dude. We were we were in rare form. Were we? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I listened to a few minutes of it. It sounded good. Maybe we could get you like a voice modulator. So you're like oh. auto-tuned. Can I, I want to sound like deep throat. I hope people What's, understand this reference. Deep I throat. don't. So maybe. Oh, come on. Watergate. Watch. Watergate. The, 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 the anonymous source of the Watergate. Oh, I know about Watergate. Yeah, yeah. So like Bernstein and uh, Woodward, you know, the reporters who broke Watergate, right? Their anonymous source was called Deep Throat. Great name. Yeah, well, I mean, it's he had like a like a raspy, gravelly voice. And did he disguise it, or was that just how he sounded? No, it's just how he sounded. Um, and they met him like because they he was this guy was afraid of being you know found out by the White House and Nixon and whatnot. He met them in like parking garages when it was like in the middle of the night and stuff. And yeah, wait, wait, you can't call me young. I know, I know about the Watergate deep throw thing. That's you, you know, honestly, I don't like the late seventies and eighties as a decade. 
I just it's the the music was terrible. The clothes were awful. It's just a stupid decade. Stupid decade. I didn't like it. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, that's fair. It was just such a fun episode. Episode twenty. Yeah. Uh, it's the least pressure while editing for me because I only have two people to pay attention to you and me. And I mean, it's still fun and amazing when it's, there's three of us, four of us next time. Episode yeah. 22 has quattro finale. People. Maybe that would be okay. All right. That's falling into place for me. Did I, did I just sell you on it? Did maybe, I just, did I maybe just bring home the bacon. I was feeling superstitious about switching seasons. Like, but we should, how, how yeah. shouldn't we like, that's crazy. We'll talk about our season. No season ender season finale. Oh, season finale. I know. All right. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. We have to, you know, make sure Matt and pipeline media order us for another season. We have to, you know, go pitch them on the arc of the second season. Okay. Well see here. That's the genius of not changing seasons. We can't end yet. The season's not over. We're, but you're in episode 157. Doesn't matter. It's not hey. over. Not over. We don't call it the Riverdale <laughs> podcast for nothing. No. Yeah, that's still on the air. That's crazy. I mean, like, aren't they like though? Those actors are like thirty at this point, and they're playing like seventeen-year-olds. I mean, it's yeah. Should we bring in Romy? Yes, I, I like Romy. Tell me about it. Oh, you want me to read it? Okay, sure. Uh, oh, you look at that. Oh, it says Erica. Oh, read it. Whoa, oh, oh, Erica. Oh, oh here we go. I'll <laughs> scratch that. I want to tell everybody about Romy, please. Please mm, do. Here we go. Romy Mundi is a Canadian writer who primarily writes romantic comedies with the aim to make you laugh, activate your heartstrings, and maybe even make your eyes produce some salty discharge. When she's not writing novels, Romy can be found dreaming up screenplays, copywriting for clients, traveling, and loving Seinfeld forever. Love I'm going to have to ask her about that. Love that. Her next novel, 24 Hours in Paris, is going to be in bookstores May 10th. Coming up very soon. Romy! Romy, thank you so much for coming on. It is great to, as you said, talk to your faces because yeah. I feel like we've interacted so much in the weekly pipeline authors chat, yep. but mostly through a series of like office memes or <laughs> 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 you know? so, various gifts. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good to talk like this. And you're in Canada. Canadian. Yeah. So now you guys tell me, like, I think I say about super normal, right? Because like, you know, like the stereotype is a boot. A boot. So I definitely don't say about like an American, which to me sounds like about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, about. Is that weird? No, no. I grew normal. up on the 49th parallel. So I know both because I'm from Buffalo, which has a big um, Polish Italian population. We have those long nasal. Oh uh, God, that accent's great. I know. And I'm half Sicilian and half Welsh. So I just even it out and just go right into about. Okay. I think you say like I do that. Yeah. Because we grew up next to each other, basically. Team us. I say a bat. No, you don't, Peter. (laughs) Up. <laughs> oh, burn. Like two minutes in. Sorry. I just I was telling them, I was like, I just logged off work. It's been a long day. We love it. Romy's got her sassy pants on, and we're here for it. Uh tell our okay. listeners about your shirt. Oh, so I am wearing a shirt that says Latte Larry's hot coffee and scones. And now, if yes. anyone wants to curb your enthusiasm, you would know that. Larry David opened a coffee shop purely <laughs> out of spite. It wow. was called 
the spite store. And honestly, that just resonated with me on so many levels. Like, Molecular level. So many yeah. of my decisions are based on spite, like various <laughs> people. Like I have my own spite store. Yep. The shelves oh. are fully stocked. There's just so much spite to go around. I just, I love spite. It's such a good motivator and it doesn't get enough credit. Like, you know, people always say like, you know, you got to motivate yourself, like to follow your dreams. And like, <laughs> what about spite people? Like, yeah. that's all valid. Right? I am so effing here for this. I'm on board. It gets things done. Hey, that's a tagline. I'm a copywriter, so there's oh, There you go. <laughs> Zing. Well, there's no better transition into our first formal question for the spite oh, queen. Excuse me, <laughs> spite king. I mean, Ooh, we have the spite yeah. king here. How about yeah. that? Speaking of copywriting, can you tell us a bit about you as an artist, as a copywriter, how you came into this beautiful world of our zaniness that is writing? Sure. First, I started purely in the corporate world in advertising sales. Basically, I wanted to be an archaeologist because I grew up watching so many Discovery Channel specials about ancient Egypt and all that. And then, but when I told my parents what I wanted to do, like basically dust bones all day is how they (laughs) described it, my traditional Indian parents, they fully laughed at me and- they're, nego- they're like compromise was like, well, if you're not going to go to medical school, which was like the obvious thing, because honestly, sure. guys, sometimes stereotypes are true. All right. I was supposed to be a doctor, but that was not happening. So they're like, well, you can just get a business degree. So I went to business school, did the whole thing, advertising sales, corporate world, marketing, blah, blah, blah. But I was always into writing. And I mean, later I can talk about like when I first started writing, but all of that to say, like at a certain point, I quit my corporate job. I moved to Paris for six months to write and publish my third novel, which I did accomplish. But when I came back, I was like, okay, so I'm like broke. (laughs) I'm going to have to work, but I could not stomach the idea of fully going back into marketing. I needed to do something that was at least like adjacent to writing, you know, just to feel alive. So like I had no experience in copywriting. You're supposed to have a copywriting certificate or take some kind of course. So I got in, in proofreading. I was like, well, I can do that. I've published three novels. I self-published. I've looked at like 300,000 words. Like I can do that. (laughs) So I did that. And literally one day, the copywriter was off sick and they needed some copy. And I was just kind of sitting there. I was like, Oh, so you need some I can do it. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I could do it. And you know, the next thing I knew I was copywriting, I poisoned the guy. That's why he was sick. No, that's not true. Oh, I, did not, hey. I did not poison him. Hey, oh, hey, um, and then it just like I was freelancing. So then it was like it became more and more gigs. And then the last thing I freelanced um, was a digital bank in Canada. And cool. it was supposed to be a six week gig. Um, but like next week, it'll be like four years. Um, <laughs> hey. now, writing all manner of copy. At one point, I was the only copywriter in the entire bank. So wow, wow. That's what I that's- do during the day. Okay, so then fast forward to getting a Publishers Weekly starred review. Hey. Um, okay, I, I know that's a bit of a jump, but that was- no, no. Are, uh, I love that, it. This is my next question. Like, okay. 
I, I mean, we'll fill in the details in between. Sure. But no, I prefer just, it that way. Like in order like, is boring. <laughs> you're welcome to tell the listeners and Erica a little bit more about what that is. And because I know what Publishers Weekly is, but also like, sure. I want to know what you were doing when you found out and what was your reaction? Okay. Yes. So I guess Publishers Weekly Review, it falls under trade reviews. So basically when you're getting traditionally published, um, your publisher will submit for various trade reviews. So like Kirkus is a big one, Publishers Weekly, Booklist, I think, is, and a lot of people will like Library Journal as well. So we submitted and I was very nervous. Um, And this imprint is the second imprint from Wattpad. So if people don't know, it started as a reading platform startup. But again, we can get into it later. A lot has happened. It's not there. And just for our listeners' clarification, this is for 24 Hours in Paris, Romy's new book that's about to come out. Because we didn't say that. There, sliding in that fact. (laughs) Love it. Um, yeah, so we submitted, like we didn't know what was going to happen. And then, so I got the email. So I was copywriting. Basically Ooh. I was Peggy Olsening my way. Ugh, I love that Mad Men reference. So with, <laughs> it's about all the gender inequality and racism, cause it's not the 1960s. So I was doing that and it was almost lunchtime, but I kind of like usually keep my like Gmail like open, like in case something exciting pops into my inbox. So it basically said publishers weekly review exclamation mark, but it didn't say anything else in the subject line. In the subject oh line. man. Yeah. I had to wow. open it. And yeah, then <laughs> it was my editor and she said, you know, I think we're about to make your day because here's a great review. And she didn't say like, it was a starred review. And honestly, like, I didn't even know, like, how to identify that. Cause it was just such a blur. Like it was like time stopped. So I clicked Aww. on it. I read it. So the first time I read it through none of it processed because it was just so positive and because like for the last year like I've been stalking reviews of rom-com books (laughs) to see what kind of reviews they get from trade publications Mm -hmm. like can you even get like a really good review for a rom-com so there was like a certain standard that to me was deemed like good like you know like a a fun romp you know where you (laughs) fall in love or like whatever so that's like all I was hoping for but it was like it blew my mind like stunning contemporary romance wow heart-hugging insights and then the one thing that really captured me where it said you know the culinary tour through Paris and sharp comedic timing would have been enough to carry the novel but then it goes but the sheer level of character development elevated it further and I was like okay so then I read it a second time and then I just started sobbing like I was (laughs) my face was wet like I needed a beach towel basically (laughs) at the end of it like thank god I didn't have a team's call like right there um, and then I loved my, when I told my editor, I wrote her books like, Oh my God, I'm crying. And then she was so cute. She said when she saw it, she started jumping up and up and down and yelling at her husband, like start review, start review. <laughs> so she was my, basically my developmental editor throughout the entire book. And, um, you know, I'll just, we're on video here and not, but for the listeners, I'm just showing the cover hey. where 
I'll take so a screenshot. This- oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Smile, Peter. Nice. Got it. Okay. So Perfect. basically, I'll make a real close up here. So this is a quote from the review. So this book was at the printers and it was going to print the next day. And so this review came in and then they were like, basically how I imagine in my head is they're like, stop the printers. Yeah. Like super dramatic, but cause they really wanted to get a line on the front cover. And yeah, they of course. Did. wait, can, can you hold it up again? I want to read the line for our listeners. There we go. Okay. It is. I wait. Uh, I can't see it. Well, maybe read. Read. You got it. Can you see it? Okay. Erica, go. Oh, she called on me filled with delectable delights and heart tugging insights. Dot, dot, dot. Stunning. Stunning. Oh, I love that you said stunning. That is so great. I love that it, let's just say it got stopped. It stopped the presses. That's so awesome. It just felt like, you know, when you just like dream of something for so long, especially coming from like a self-publishing background, which yeah. we can also talk about. I feel like this is going to be a three-hour podcast. Anyway, <laughs> that works for me. For those who know that I've self-published, it's like you're always on the outside looking in. And yeah. yes, it has been destigmatized over the years, like which I'm very happy about, but there's just certain things you won't get to do. And everyone's dream is to like walk into a bookstore and see their name on the show. Right. And then on top of that, to get a review, like, cause when you're self-published, you can't even really submit these types of trade reviews. So then that's like another thing. Like, so for my long journey of like, gosh, I don't know, 11, 12 years for to now like tick these boxes and to say to anyone who thinks like overnight success, is like a thing. It's definitely not like this is like a, over a decade of rejection mm-hmm. and like little, you know, two steps forward, one step back. And then so the last year has just felt like this snowball effect of these amazing things happening. Me sobbing with my wet face. And like, I just feel <laughs> like that's been the last year. Congratulations. Seriously. I mean, and getting a star review is like, I mean, that's kind of like getting a Michelin star. I mean, it's, it's a bit, it's a really big deal. That's, you know, that's how I felt. And like, as soon as that happened, like I, you know, when I talked to my publisher about it too, and it was sort of like, okay, so like, we need to make this launch. Like we need to like level up, like whatever (laughs) we were thinking, bigger, bolder, you know what I mean? And so like, because I come from a self-published background, I have all my own stuff that I'm doing anyway. And the publisher's doing stuff, we're doing stuff together. But like, because of a 10 year plus dream, like it's not more personal to anyone but me. So like, I'm going to do everything in my power. I have a Google content calendar that's color coded. Like, (laughs) oh, like there's like about five weeks left. And yeah, I'm just, I'm a mess, guys. I'm a mess. So as someone that's done both, right, I feel like not a lot of people have done both. Can you talk a little bit about a, your experience with self-publishing, but B also the major differences that you've seen in the, between the two? Sure. So I got into self-publishing. Well, first after getting about a hundred rejections from the wow. letter, sure. yeah. so I, I did try to do it the traditional way. And the, this was for my series. It's called year of the chick was the first book. It's a three book series. Basically. Okay. Yeah. It's also a romantic comedy series. 
And I got inspired off a blog that I was writing. And then eventually I gave it a theme that was called Year of the Chick. And at the time, it was so dumb. It was like when Bridget Jones was like a real thing back then. And so it was like a year of dating to avoid an arranged marriage. Like that was basically the theme of the blog. So I was chronicling like some real life experiences in the dating jungle and stuff. So turn it into the book, got rejected by a hundred literary agents. And then there's a pipeline artist article as well, where I detail a lot of this for anyone who wants reference material. I will link that in the show notes. Sure. And then, so I briefly did have an agent. But it wasn't like the right agent for me. And honestly, a part of me knew that. But at that point, after all the rejection, I was just so thirsty for a yes. Sure. <laughs> that I will be the first to admit, like I, you know, said yes, and I probably shouldn't have. And then later I looked into it more and I was like, oh, this agent has mostly only sold nonfiction. They don't really know rom-com that well. And then I just started to get a feeling and then. I, but it did get submitted to a few publishers, but, and there was a few rejections and I was like, you know what? I, I got to get out of this. So yeah. it was totally right. amicable and it was fine. Um, at that time though, self-publishing was becoming more of a thing, especially through the Amazon platform, mm-hmm. KDP publishing it was like these message boards. And I, I spent, oh my God, hours on these <laughs> message boards. I was like a little gremlin in the dark on the internet all the nice. time, just <laughs> learning all that I could learn, like how to get a cover artist, do this and that. So it was a ton of work and yeah. And then I published and, you know, it was, it was good. It was closely followed by a sequel. So that's when things like really picked up with self-publishing, you have the ability to make a book free. So then I started to think about, well, okay, so no one knows me. No one has any reason to mind my book, but what if like the first book is free, like as a gateway drug and I get on the drug. I get 70% royalty on book two. Like what? Let's do this. (laughs) All right. So that started to help the sales. And then while I was in Paris, I published a third book. So basically all that to say over the years, I think paid sales are just over 15,000. So it's not like a huge amount, but for someone who did everything by themselves, definitely still an accomplishment. In my mind. And then I guess like when I came back from my travels, started getting into proofreading, copywriting, it sort of like put it on pause. But then all these things started to happen with Wattpad too over the years. And then so that's why it's hard to like explain the journey because it's like there's self-publishing, there's like traditional, and then there's like this other new thing that got invented on the scene. (laughs) And really that's like a huge part of my journey. And so I guess to say like, it's not really like black or white, you know, like people, I, and I feel like, especially on Twitter, like everyone wants to know, like, how do you answer? (laughs) What are the steps? Give us the list. Or it's like how to do this, a thread. And we all love those Twitter threads that tell you exactly what to do and what's right or wrong. Right. Screenwriting Twitter. (laughs) Okay. Oh, fired. No, but like I, the real like sort of sum up of my journey is that to just like all the while do something you enjoy doing because A, there's no guarantees, B, no one owes you anything and C, things could pop up where 
you haven't even dreamed of it because it doesn't exist, but Absolutely. it might be later. And then a door opens and that's exactly what happened with Wattpad. So that's, anyway. that's good. That, uh, wow. I mean, the, se- the segues are just immaculate. We yeah, seriously. Like we can, we can take a lap and just, you can do the interview yourself. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, good. We're go, <laughs> take a shower, <laughs> walk, come back. Go, go Romy, let drink. us know when you're done. We'll hit end. <laughs> literally, this is just me by myself talking to myself. <laughs> As someone who doesn't have an agent, right? So how did this deal with Wattpad happen? You're right. That was a perfect segue. Immaculate. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is just like really serendipitous. I'm so happy you're here. Oh my God. I love being here. You guys are the best. Okay. Love Fest. Don't edit out our Love Fest. If you do, (laughs) like, how dare you? How dare you? That will be in. And uh, (laughs) I take out as many swears as I can just to bug Peter. So I could say fuck yes, yeah, we have to yeah. take it out yeah, yeah. i may yeah. or not because i don't care uh, exactly because i have a little right. box that i check when i post the episode and it says explicit <laughs> i'm gonna drink here yeah. we go cheers cheers uh daddy likes his medicine oh yeah whiskey. <laughs> please uh. never call yourself daddy Okay, so what's that? Segue, professional, publishing. Yes. <laughs> Speaking to the fact of, you know, sometimes a third option will emerge. And, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that's why it's always best to just be busy doing something you love, right? Yeah. So with Wapad, they actually found me when they were a plucky startup. Wow. Um, like almost 10 years ago. So um, when I was talking about my book and self-publishing. So one of the things I had done is I had submitted it to a bunch of book blogs to get reviewed. And there was a lot of chiclet blogs at the time. So a few of them did review it, which is great because it gives exposure and which is exactly how Wattpad found me on a book blog. They saw my reviewed um, and they emailed me and they described the reading platform and what they are. And then they said, you know, because we noticed your first book is free Anyway, and our platform is free, it could be a great way to have a wider audience get hooked huh. on your reading. And I was like, well, awesome. That sounds good. Um, sure. I got to meet them in person soon after. And oh. honest, I have to say, like meeting them early on was a big contributor. It was not, it's like the whole thing about do you have to go to Hollywood or whatever, like right. when screenwriting no you don't but sometimes there are like those serendipity type moments where you happen to connect with people and then it's like you have a professional relationship you kind of like each other too so (laughs) then they sort of think of you when something comes up and so that happened over the years so like then they had a Wattpad stars program and when you're in the stars program you can get paid opportunities um, because there were these brands that wanted branded fiction, you know, because they were finding that, you know, with paid ads, it was all like white noise, which I talk about a lot at work in advertising, how no one's paying attention to the ads. People are just scrolling by. So they thought, well, what if we do like a branded short story where you're not like constantly advertising the brand, but it has certain themes that tie into the brand. Right. Yeah. I got to write some, branded fiction like it would be like Schick Razors wants a short story about a woman who's packing and traveling for a trip to Paris and I was like oh perfect I would interesting like a three to five thousand word short story and I get paid for it so it was like a really cool thing on the side 
Then later, um, they started the paid stories program where basically the free stories that are up on Wattpad get put into the system where you can like use coins to like unlock chapters. So essentially you're getting paid for if someone reads your full story, like I was, you're pretty much getting paid what you would like on Amazon, like almost. And so 24 hours in Paris was on there. And literally I had written that book just for fun. And it was only on Wattpad. I hadn't even self-published it. It was just like around the time where I was like, oh, I got the idea in the shower. Like, imagine if like two people who didn't even like each other missed their play and they were stuck in Paris for 24 hours. That's literally how I got That's the idea. so great. Just started posting chapters on Wattpad. So then I get into their paid stories program. So this is now like the first year of the pandemic and there's nothing else going on. And I'm like, yeah, I want to be in the paid program. Oh yeah. By now Wattpad also has a studios division and you know, they've made movies for Netflix yeah. and all these other things. Mm-hmm. What? So I like, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Bigger and bigger all the time. So it's like just this cool thing to be associated with. And then January 2021, um, Wattpad was launching a new adult imprint, which I didn't even know about. But then I hopped on this call and they're telling me all about this new adult women's commercial fiction imprint. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. Because I, you know, write, I prefer to write older characters that are a little crusty around the edges. <laughs> They've seen some life. And 24 Hours in Paris was actually college students, but that was literally a fluke. That was just sure. the idea in my head at the time. But I'm most comfortable writing older characters. So then they offered me this book deal and they said, you know, but would you be comfortable aging up the characters? Because that would be like a page one rewrite. Basically, hell yeah, like that's my wheelhouse. But that meant like a full time job and writing an 86,000 word novel with very tight deadlines. Basically, what I've been doing the past year. Yeah. Oh my God, are wow. people going to be so bored by this? No. Who no, cares? No. That's their problem, not ours. I would have interrupted you if I was bored. Don't worry about it. Okay. So my ADHD kicks in if I'm not getting that dopamine. I mean, how did you balance, given that you work a bazillion hours, I'm sure, for your day job? How did you find balancing that? Well, it was hard. Yeah, I I'm sure. Yeah. That. Um, one thing, just the circumstances of it all, we were in and out of variations of lockdown mm-hmm. for you know as much as I hate the pandemic it was horrible sure. I wish it had never happened of course I wasn't commuting to the office ever I was always working remotely so like that's yep there wasn't as many social plans to do because in Canada a lot of the time like there was no indoor dining you know right. so once it's not patio weather you're like there's nothing to do That definitely gave me some added time. But even with that, you know, like sometimes when you're copywriting all day, you're using a certain part of your writing brain. And then then you're supposed to use your creative brain and like write literal chapters. So that can be hard. I think what helped was just as I sort of touched on before was like a dream over the decade. Right. And it's like, If that's not a motivator, what is right. And so I somehow just fought my way through it because I thought like, this is everything you've been working for, you know, and yes, I'm tired. And yes, I don't really want to do this right now, but I would just like get a playlist and just get in the mood 
And I think outlining first really, really helped because I used to be a bit of a panster because I thought that was more fun. Right. <laughs> once you're on really tight deadlines, I was like, that shit is not going to sure. work. No, yeah, you're sure. right. So sure. every chapter had what had to happen in an outline. Um, so I think that also kept me really focused. That's half the battle. Like, yeah. just, just remind me what I have to do and I'll do it. <laughs> Thanks, past Erica. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Oh my God, past me screws over future me all the time. Really? <laughs> yes, yes. See, I I, lately I've gotten better at having current Erica do something Make the effort now so future Erica doesn't have to. Let's talk or let's vice talk, versa. Let's do the entire rest of the interview in the third person. <laughs> that Why? wouldn't be pretentious at all. Be careful what you wish for. I felt like Jimmy loves to play basketball. I did watch that. Okay, so I know you're a big fan of Seinfeld. Real quick segue. I did watch Seinfeld all the way through for the first time last year. It was it was over my head when it was coming out live. Like I can see why it was like cult funny. But there was just something about Seinfeld. Like it got so obsessive to me, like in my grade 12 English class where we were able to do some sort of presentation, which somehow had some flexibility to it, that somehow I finagled my way into doing a Seinfeld trivia quiz. Bless you. Because she was like Australian and didn't really know what Seinfeld was. So she kind of like <laughs> gave a side eye, but she was like, okay, weirdo. Like if you want were to do your, this quiz. Were like, your classmates as into it as you were? Oh, yeah, they were into it. And then as prizes, I would like throw into the audience like Halloween sized chocolate bars and people <laughs> really were into that. The year before in English class, a different teacher actually threatened me with detention if I didn't Whoa. write for the high school newspaper. So that's oh, actually geez. how I got into writing. That was how I got into writing with like the most extreme negative reinforcement. I guess she liked my essays or whatever and was like, if you don't start writing for the paper, I'm giving you detention. So I was like, I guess because she really wanted me to do it. And I was like, well, I guess they have to accept anything I write. For some reason, I got the idea of a fake teen advice column called Dr. <laughs> teen angst. And sure. that sure. was the first thing I wrote. And what? it was so sarcastic. I was actually voted most sarcastic then. So yeah. you aren't joking about being the king of spite. Bringing it back yeah. full circle here. Right. Something that I think is probably, I would imagine the most important part of copywriting is conciseness and brevity and getting across an idea in, in a super limited amount of words, right? So how do you think that has influenced your fiction writing, do you think? Ooh, that's a great question. Thank you so much. Honestly, it has been a, a big factor that has influenced my fiction writing in one way with dialogue. I think sure. it has really helped me tighten up the dialogue. I've always loved writing dialogue anyway, because prior to my recent fiction, I was, I, there was a period where I was writing a lot of screenplays. Um, and you can ask Matt about that. I have sent him a lot. of screenplays. Noted. Um, so when he would always tell me like, you know, your dialogue is like already there. And then it would be like things with like a plot, B plot. These are the things I needed to work on in screenwriting. So like, I feel like I already had that, but copywriting helped even further because like you said, you have so little time in copywriting yeah. to capture someone's attention. And mm -hmm. it's also like, as a brand, it's like 
the audacity of you to take someone's attention away from like cat videos or whatever. <laughs> with this No, it's like, how dare you? You're a brand, you're evil. You're trying to take my money. So like we talk about it in our meetings a lot too at work. Cause we're like, we want people to stop the scroll. Right. Mm-hmm. And to not be annoyed with us. Cause the end of the day we're advertising to you. And, and that in itself is an annoying thing to sure. people. Sure. So if you're going to do it, you better say it in the most concise way possible to hmm. even hope to get a click through, right? That is in my mind, like eight hours a day, five days a week, right? And then, so then I get into the fiction writing. And so I'm working on this book. Um, so as a whole, brevity is not an issue. Like it's 86,000 words, right? right. But when I'm getting into the scenes, it's like, I really do want to employ an economy of words within each scene and within each conversation too. Because when I'm reading dialogue in a fiction book, one thing as I feel like in writing threads, we talk about a lot is like when you're trying to do exposition and dialogue, mm-hmm. like it's obvious, right? Like when you're trying yes. to explain plot and dialogue, I really try not to do that, first of all. But even in an exchange, like I love being quippy, right? But the quippiness is really only effective when it's like, bam, bam, bam. So it has to be short. So sometimes I'm trying to get across, like there's a point in 24 hours in Paris, like there's several points where Mira, she's a little, you know, sarcastic. Maybe that's influenced by me. (laughs) But, you know, sometimes she'll say things to Jake that he does not expect. And like his soul leaves his body. But (laughs) The best way to do that is like in four or five words. And so I feel like copywriting has helped so much in that sense. But, but I will say it can also be dangerous to do copywriting 40 hours a week when you're trying to write fiction, because the biggest note, the most recurring note from my editor was like, um, can we have a little more backstory here? A little bit more backstory. What's going on here? Like, I, I guess I was just like cutting, cutting, cutting. Most of what I was doing in the structural edits was like layering in backstory. Nice. So makes sense. to answer your question, copywriting has helped and also copywriting go to health is like, it's hard for me to like cut entire paragraphs and sections and things. I honestly, I would rather add, but I think that's also because I'm a bit of like a binge writer. Like when I get in the zone, like mm. there have been times when I've written like 10,000 words in a day, wow. which is a little, Oh my God. That's right? quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> a little psychotic. Um, but yeah, I would rather add for sure. What gets you in the zone? Auto zone. Shut up here. <laughs> Dude, do you know that sometimes I think I've blacked out? Is that just me? Oh my God. Do um, in, a a way, <laughs> in a way, yes. I have fallen asleep typing before because I was Ow. propped up like back in my bed, um, laptop on my lap. And I kept typing while I was dreaming for about oh. five minutes. It Mom, was pre- Grandma Erica fell asleep on the keyboard again. <laughs> <laughs> it was really creepy. And I was trying to wake myself up in the dream. So I typed that out too. And there's a lot of typos, but it was bizarre. I, wow. Did you I have it somewhere. I will send it to you privately because it's odd. What yeah. were we talking about? I blacked out just blacked now. Out. You blacked out. See, it happens. 
Wait, so for real, you feel like you've blacked out while typing? Just sometimes when I'm in the rhythm of like the, because I love like typing, I'm like a pretty fast typer. If the music is right, you know, sometimes maybe a glass of wine as well. And it just like pours out. Everybody needs their medicine. I think think your blackouts might actually be. No, don't never. Romy said never call yourself daddy again. Inhibitions are down then. So be it. If it worked, worked. whatever works whatever works but I think music too and I don't know about you guys I think we talked about it once on pipeline authors but I can have lyrics um I think I think you and I talked about this yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so my go-to for writing rom-coms is the musical score of the holiday by Hans Zimmer oh it evokes all the feels so honestly sometimes when that playlist gets going I get into like an auto zone of typing AutoZone is now going to sponsor this podcast. It's going to be great. <laughs> Do you have AutoZone in Canada? Car rental place? Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a car place here in America. It's, Do you have AutoZone in Is it actually a car thing? Yeah, yeah it is. No, it is. AutoZone. 100%. Yeah, yeah. It's That's like, so you, funny. You can buy like car batteries and stuff there. It's like a like a, like an auto parts. I thought it was a car rental thing. And then I was going to do the Jerry Seinfeld thing. Like, you know how to make the reservation. You don't know how to hold <laughs> the reservation. Anyone can just say. <laughs> Just quick aside here, who is your favorite Seinfeld character and why is it Kramer? Oh my God. Um, but no, it's sorry, it's Elaine. I got is it. it. Elaine's great. Elaine is fantastic. I love Elaine. She's but my I second also favorite. love them all, you know, but I love George too. Like <laughs> oh, I hated George. You know, like when he like hits on the woman and he's like, I'm bald and I'm unemployed. And then she's like, I'm Kate. I liked Newman because he was in Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. oh my gosh. Is yep. he the one that gets eaten on a toilet while on a toilet? That's Gennaro, the lawyer. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. He's the one who gets eaten by the. Oh, this guy. this guy. Yeah. That guy. That yeah. And with the shaving cream thing that he's like smuggling stuff out, he gets his comeuppance, but I liked his plan. I've got a little bit of spite in me too. So I was Team Newman. So I have a fun story. Yeah. Yes, please. I've never seen Jurassic Park. Get off the f-ing phone. Wow. Go. I made a curse. I'm going to bleep myself out because that made me so mad, Peter. I can put up, go, hang up and go watch. Have Remember, you read it? we weren't sure if he was a millennial. This now this I know. Zen, Gen Z. Gen Z. This entire shelf is all uh, Michael Crichton here. Okay. This is all, I mean, this is some Lord of the Rings crap, but Did, Tolkien was a weirdo. Dinosaurs. Yeah. No. Okay. Did, excuse me. Rami, I'm going to take the microphone for a minute. <laughs> Peter? Peter. Michael yes. Crichton is a legend. All right. Yeah. Do you okay. know that he was a, mm-hmm. have you read the books at least? Dinosaur. He, T-Rex. He did, he did one called Next that has to do with outbreaks. Uh, like, yep. a, don't say yeah, like you know yep. anything about what I'm talking about, Peter. Yep. Peter, Michael Crichton was a medical student. He put himself through medical school and he was, he was hating it. Michael Crichton is a PH didn't. Honestly, oh, if, okay. if if I think about it, he started writing fiction during med school to pay for medical school. By the time he got to graduation, he was making more money as an author than he ever would as a doctor. And he never wow. practiced a day in his life. But his medicine knowledge, his knowledge of science and weird science and fringe science and actual science and legal legalities, it all goes into his fiction. That's cool. And I, thank That's you, really Peter. Cool. It's no, so seriously, I, I, I mean that. That's cool. 
<laughs> you better. <laughs> I'm so mad. I learned a lot about it in his, this is a collection, a posthumous uh, collection of essays. I think this was done after he passed away mm-hmm. called Travels. This is just essays that he wrote. Some are about his time as medical school. Some are about his time, like searching on the spiritual side of things. He taught himself to read auras and he thought it was a crock of and ended up doing it and opened up his mind. And then wow. I had a friend in Connecticut and she had a landlord who was Michael Creighton's sister. Whoa. Whoa. This is like, what were we talking about? I, <laughs> I blacked know. out. But Erica, our, I am so excited for the final Jurassic Park movie, which brings back Laura Dern oh. and Sam. Have you seen oh, the trailer? Dinosaurs. Peter. <laughs> it's so much more though. You've never seen you the movie, understand. Peter? I keep forgetting Peter. how you pretend to be this old man who's di- seen di- the di- world. Di- dinosaurs. Oh my, you are a dinosaur. <laughs> I'm so friendship terminated. Sean. <laughs> Done. Unshun. Uh sorry. I'm sorry about that, everybody. We're gonna return to our scheduled program with Romy Mundy. Getting back <laughs> on track here. Yeah. Should we uh ask her these questions about self-publishing or no? Yes. I love no? you, Peter. I love you too. Yeah, I just okay, love you. the assignment. <laughs> I mean, Book. Who cares? Let's just like chat. I'll do no, my I'll other do marketing separately. It's this fine. is the viral marketing. This is we're, we're this is branded content. You didn't know that, but your publisher hired us to Zing. go on rants about stuff. Branded content. <laughs> and you, you're gonna write a piece about dinosaurs and how it's used to sell what? deodorant. I am hey. gonna bleep myself out because that was really shocking. I didn't mean to say oh, that. I love what is in that can of uh, like- vodka. Vodka. Wait, wait, do you speak French? Just wait, I'll do Is pamplemousse, is that grapefruit? Yep. Yeah. 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 Like. How do you say it? Pamplemousse. 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 And how do you, wait, how do you say La Croix? I've heard people pronounce it La Croix, but La Croix probably is correct. And you got to like get the, I, when I was taking some uh, French classes uh, in Paris, it was uh, like, uh, I had to practice Fleming like yeah. for five minutes and I wanted to cry. Yeah, By yeah, the yeah. way, welcome back from Paris because you were just there. Hey. Do you miss it? Yes. Oh, it's so good to be back after oh. two and a half years and eat croissant. 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 See my friends. It was amazing. Okay. Look, I'm not hung up on it, but Peter, have you not seen it because it just wasn't your traditional movie, the Jurassic Park or is it dinosaurs? Okay. (laughs) All right. So Romy, um, is there anything you wish you had known back then about self-publishing? Stay with me that, you know, now, you know what? Yes. What's that? First, I will say, you know, in terms of all the tips, advice, the how to's the great thing, you know, 10 years later is that Now, when you Google, you don't have to be like me, you know, in the dark all night on the internet, just falling into rabbit holes. Like you can Google it and someone will have created a handy list, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with links and everything. So that's great. But that's like the functional part of the process. Then there's like the emotional part of the process. So I guess what I wish I had known was that you have to be comfortable with being an outsider. And I hmm. didn't grasp that as much in the beginning. And it was something I learned throughout the process, you know, in ways that were sometimes like emotionally crushing, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that's just my advice 
to people who want to get into it. Like it's great and it can benefit you in so many ways. And, you know, in the future, I might self-publish another book if it's just like something I want to do differently. Like, I think it's a great process, but like I sort of touched upon before, there's just always that part where you're outside the fence and you're Mm -hmm. looking in and you have to be comfortable with that because like, there's, there's not a ceiling to like how many books you can sell. But there's like a ceiling to how people view you, like even your friends and family sometimes. And when that became so apparent to me was, you know, when I was announcing things like a book deal or like the starred review. So like, for example, when I shared the starred review on social media and I, some friends like, you know, in the comments were like, Oh my gosh, it's so great. Okay, now I pre-ordered. And I was like, now you pre-ordered, oh bitch. Oh, so you needed like you needed like a trade review to tell you <laughs> what to like because without that, I guess I was like no good or whatever. But like they didn't mean it in a bad right. way, you know? And I'm part of the system too because I've always wanted to be in a bookstore and I've always wanted to get mm-hmm. a trade review. So it's sure. like this thing that's just ingrained in the industry and it's hard to escape it. And at the end of the day, you know, people will always see you as like a real author and then they'll just kind of be happy for you Yeah, if you're a self-published author. So that's like a little tough, but if at the end of the day, your goal is clear and it's like, I want to gain readers you know, I want to get my words and my stories out there. And I have gained amazing readers um, from self-publishing mm-hmm. ones who are still here today after all those years, like literally just last week, someone tagged me in something. It was an Instagram post. And she said, I love all of this author's books. I'm reading all the old ones again to get ready for the new one. And she's like these incredible people. And like one person like that can just like, you know, make your entire world. So there is that amazing part, but then there's also like the part where it's like, yeah, you're like, you're like in the group, but like, you're not really in the group. So Romy, Mm -hmm. what's next after 24 hours in Paris? You guys, can you talk about it? I'm okay. So technically I'm not allowed to go into detail right now. You know what the funny thing is like, Probably by the time my book launches, I can talk about what I'm working on next. Okay. okay. Moment, All right. Fair enough. I can't, but I will say She's that. She's writing the next Jurassic Park movie. Dinosaurs. You don't get to say those basically. words. Dinosaurs. <laughs> dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. But I will say that the journey is just beginning. Ominous. I love it. Back on the record, and we just had a little screaming party off air. Oh Romy, my god! Romy is writing Jurassic World Five. Yep. You know what, Peter Malone Elliot, starring dinosaurs as space. a T Rex, dinosaurs, dinosaurs, dinosaurs in space, in space. space. Will the T-Rex be able to steer the ship away from Mars? His arms are disproportionately small to his body due to evolutionary reasons. Not to be discussed on this podcast because Matt would get mad if I keep billing him for all these hours of me talking about dinosaurs for six more days. That's kind of this whole podcast, though. Either Matt doesn't listen to it or he really likes us. No, no, he he really likes us. He genuinely does listen. He does. Well, hi, Matt. I know. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. 
I have one more question before we get to accountability goals. Ooh. Insert John Cosgrove here. No, we're not there yet. No. Oh. In a few minutes. Oh, I want- God. <laughs> I, I jumped the dinosaur. Romy Mundi, what yes. is your go-to couch snack for when hey. you're binge watching something or watching a movie? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Is it? Am I allowed to have a few? Because yes. I cycle through. Uh, yes. Because, you know, like when you, let's say, as an example, this isn't me. This is like a for instance. Let's say, for instance, you <laughs> sure eat thing, an entire family size bag of chips in one sitting, for instance. Are we not supposed to? Then, <laughs> I know, right? Fam- <laughs> what family? Like a family of mice? Like, I don't know. Like, maybe this is too elder millennial for Peter. I don't know if you've seen Zoolander, but like when he's like, what is this, a school for ants? Like, literally, is this a bag of chips for ants? Because, of course, I'm going to eat the entire thing in like 20 minutes. But <laughs> are you okay? Oh, uh, Erica's dead. We crushed her. That's one of my top 10 favorite movies. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, my God. Blue Steel. Oh, my God. I love that movie. Anyway, snacks. So my point is I need to cycle through flavor profiles. So like I have a rotation, right? Always Cool Ranch Doritos. Absolutely. Sour cream and onion ruffles for sure. Um, Sometimes I like to get a little crazy and I don't know if you have this in the States, but jalapeno and cheddar Doritos are those like the dark pink? I think my husband, Mr. Erica, Mr. Erica. No, he flaming Doritos. He had not the flaming hot ones. Cheetos. So not flaming hot Cheetos. No, the hot um, Doritos. There's hot Doritos. Maybe that is not it. The hot, they're not the hot Doritos either because I don't like Ooh. too spicy. Okay. They're like somewhere in the middle. And it's like, they have Ooh. so much flavor, like jalapeno and cheddar. Ooh, so good. Damn. And finally, what I like to do, especially during the pandemic, because it reminded me of going to the movies when we weren't really going to the movies was hot buttered popcorn, yep. and then you throw in peanut M&Ms to get the sweet and the savory going. Oh That's my big, God. That's a big thing for me. That's good. So. That's what good. about you guys? Like, what are yours? I'm just thinking about those M&Ms and the popcorn. That sounds really good. It's <laughs> like, Erica, you'll get the salty. And the sweet. And a little protein you'll if it's got the crunchy. You'll get the crunchy. And the crunch. You'll get the protein. You'll get the yeah. health. You'll get all of it. It's like a salad, technically. It's a salad. I'm okay it's with that. Salad. Yeah. Salad. yeah. Out in the woods, we call that <laughs> gorp. Good old raisins and peanuts with popcorn. So, yeah. Um, yeah, trail mix. Kind of your own type of trail mix. Uh, mine is uh, apple slices. I And I'll have it with peanut butter. Have it with hummus. Also, um, Welch's fruit snacks. My version of gummy bears. And... Um, Okay, oh, my mouth is so healthy that now I feel like a literal monster. No, hear this. me out. I also like will house some Sour Patch Kids when my husband's not looking because I'm allergic to the corn syrup and I get really irritable and itchy, Ugh. but they're so good. I like they're tingling my cheeks now. Sour Patch Kids. You guys know what I'm talking about, that feeling when you get it in the side. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, oh my God. Um, I have eaten an entire bag of kettle chips. Yep. Uh, cracked pepper. I have you no cracked pepper. Shut up, Peter. No, I love you. (laughs) Um, I told to shut up like several times. I just (laughs) embrace it. Um, I recently realized that fruit roll-ups and fruit by the foot are gluten-free. And I have celiacs, so uh those are having a new home in my belly. Mm -hmm. Uh and I will 
eat all the cereal in the world that I can forever. It's so good. I also really love steak and bacon. Is that, that is that a couch snack though? Steak? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Peter, anything's a couch snack if you believe in it. <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. What were we? I blacked out again. I'm just drooling at myself. Peter, what about you? Kettle chips, goldfish, and popcorn. Oh, like all at once, or just like- all, all all at one time? Uh, if I had if I had to pick one, probably kettle chips. Like if I have mm-hmm. a big family size bag of like kettle chips, it's it's game over. I, someone has to take like the bag away the from me. Original, like original, original. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't want any of the other stuff. You I don't guys want have it. Miss Vicky's. Uh-huh. Yep. I love the um, which flavor. Is it? There's like they have an applewood smoked bacon or smoked barbecue. That's a really good one. Okay. I have started to branch out. I like barbecue kettle chips now. I do. So the, I'll, I'll go for that. Tim Hortons Ooh. for the win. Sorry, eh? Like How? Tim. Did Tim. You Timmy Hose. Yeah, Tim Hortons. I grew up in Buffalo. My sister ships me Timmy a bag Hose. a couple oh. times a year. <laughs> Morgan, this is your sign that I need some more Tim Hortons beans, please. Whole. Since we have eight minutes left on this meeting, although oh. you can you can extend the time, right? I just don't know how to do that, but I'm sure we can figure no, out. No, anyway. we, we let's squeeze it in. Let's squeeze okay. it in. Do yeah. you want to do accountability goals? John Cosgrove song here. Accountability. Peter, do you have one yet? Yes. My accountability goal is to watch Jurassic Park and talk about dinosaurs. No, no, it's not. <laughs> I got really happy because I would have watched a movie you like. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Do fine, it. Fine. Want to okay. do this? All right. Okay. Fine. Would you want to do this? You want to you wanna, Let's you wanna do throw this. Down? Let's dance, you, wanna, you and me. You dance? I challenge you. you dance? I challenge you to watch <laughs> Jurassic Park. All right. So, it's so poor Romy. I'll do two. I'll do okay. I'll do, I'll do two, two for well. two for one special. All right. Uh one is to get to page uh sixty-five on the weird arsonist script I'm doing. Nice. And then uh I will you preview that started with like the oxygen. Yes. Uh, mm. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Thank do you. that. <laughs> do so that, good. do that. Uh, and then I'll, I will I will watch Jurassic Park. I will watch Dinosaur okay. Movie. Can I shout dinosaurs at random intervals? Only if I'm on speakerphone, though. Okay. What's the, Peter, what's the movie that you mentioned in the last episode uh, that's on HBO Max? Um, that your favorite, your favorite Taylor Swift director. <laughs> Not Taylor Swift. Taylor, Taylor oh, Sheridan. Taylor, Taylor Sheridan. Taylor it's Sheridan. On, you said it's on, um, it's on one of the streamers. That's yeah, that's not my favorite of his. Um, my what movie would you like me to watch for my accountability goal? Um, the, man, well, that you okay. think I should have watched by now. I I, I put myself, I dragged I, myself through Mad Men. Uh, I love Mad, Mad Men's. I Eric, is, Eric is wrong. It's fine. Eric can be wrong. That's fine. Yep. Um, the uh, look, I don't think you're gonna like it. Cause I know your taste pretty well at this point, but I, my favorite Taylor Sheridan movie is hell or high water. No, nah, that sounds boring. I'll just watch Jurassic park. The other one is to get a, um, what I call a zero draft of, uh, secret project number three. So yeah. Romy definitely the next couple of weeks, like just floating around. I have regular, like marketing launch things I have to do plus day job. So it's not like a super like juicy goal, but it's like what I can do in the next yeah. weeks, which is to outline in a fairly detailed way, the first three chapters of my secret 
project was nice. soon. soon and Jurassic World Five. Yep. Oh my Jurassic god! Dinosaurs in space, basically. Dinosaurs. And then and then Jeff Goldblum comes in and goes, oh, "I'm Jeff Goldblum." That's like actually, if you if you have that in your head, you're good to go. You're going to be primed for Jurassic. Kind of, yeah, it's pretty. Paul Giamatti's in it. Is he really? All right, then I'm yeah. in. I'm in. Fine. No, no Paul Giamatti's not it. No, he's not. Yes, you he liar. Is. No, he's not. Created a dinosaur-infused wine that he talks about. Mm. That's it. He pours wine to them too. I yes. see. He serves them. Spared uh, no expense. He's 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 been in other movies, but that's fine. Okay. Okay. Right. Anyway, <laughs> Romy, we are wired. I am hungry. This has been freaking phenomenal. Thank you, I'm, Romy. Thank you Was so much. Good? Like, did I did I do a podcast? I've you never did. You did a podcast. You did a podcast. This is it. Yay. Anything right. that we didn't ask you that you wanted to mention? No, I literally just wanted to remind people that 24 Hours in Paris will be in bookstores all across North America on May 10th. And if it's something you might like, or if you don't believe me and you need a trade review to tell you it's good, the review is in the link in my bio on all my socials and pre-orders really help. So Excellent. Nice. Pre-orders awesome. really help. And what is your uh, social handle? At Romy Mundi. And that's it for episode 21. How good is Romy? Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. And we'll see her definitely at the uh, Pipeline Authors Chat on Thursdays because she is one of our regulars and brings so many good questions, so many good bits of insight and all that crap. Yeah. Yeah. She's uh, she's, as the kids would say, a good egg. Yeah, she is. Good egg. Could you tell people about episode 22? Because I don't hate your idea. Yes, I sold her on the idea. I would love to, Erica. Up next in episode 22, we've got a very special one for you. In our season one finale, maybe, question mark, Mm. authors Jesse Honard and Marie Parks are going to talk about their awesome upcoming debut novel, Unrelenting, which is releasing on April 19th. And fun fact, guys, they were the first success story of Book Pipeline Unpublished ever. So I'm very, I'm, I'm very excited to see them and talk to them once more again. Oh, you should be. And we've never had two guests at one time. That's true. Co-authors. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little unusual for the publishing world. I feel like there's not that many co-authored books. I'd love to talk about that. I have a bunch of questions about that, that process and that decision. That's a big decision. And if you have any questions, rants, or raves about writing, or you want to learn more about us or pipeline, please visit pipelineartist.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at the podcast title on Instagram or Facebook at this podcast needs a title, or you can follow me at the Davis girl that's on Twitter, or you can follow Peter at PME writer also on Twitter. And you can follow me in life too. Walking around the street on his little scooter, my, my little knee scooter. Just, just if, if you see me on my new scooter, my, my knee scooter in Brooklyn, please don't try and push around me and shoot me dirty looks. Just be nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I live in New York City. It's it's like it was kind of endearing how like rude people are on the street at first. On that note, on that cheery, cheery note. La 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 la. The sun is shining. Sun's out. Guns out. Look at my biceps. They're so big. Peter, were we recording? La 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 la